0: Welcome to Monsters & Mixers, the spine-chilling podcast guaranteed to quench your thirst for all things spooky and one thing drinky. Can't get enough of paranormal or true crime stories? Then this is the place for you. We are your hosts, Amy and Emma, and each episode will feature a new story and a new cocktail recipe to help calm your nerves while you listen. So grab your ingredients, pull the covers up tight, and prepare to be terrified by tales of the darkness among us.
1: Welcome back to Monsters and Mixers podcast. We are your hosts. I am Emma. And I am Amy. That took us four tries because I cannot say words. And she keeps thinking she's me. I don't know why
0: I do that. It's just, I know that I'm not you. No, but. no, certainly not. Sorry. Anyway, we're glad that you are joining us again today. For those of you who are new, yeah. um, we do a paranormal episode and then we do a true crime episode. So this week is Emma's true crime episode. Yep. Yeah. Uh, not much been going on in our lives lately, but happy spring. Yay. I'm so You're excited. You're on spring break. I am fun. on spring break. Spending some quality time together been hanging out, chilling. And we just watched a um really interesting movie the other night. If you have not seen it yet, it is called Titane. And it won I think the Cannes Film Festival. And a lot of people are mad this year that it wasn't nominated for an Oscar. It was a wild ride to say the least. I loved it. You know, I did not not like it. I definitely liked it. It just going into it, I didn't really know what it was about
1: and well, yeah, you kept asking me to tell you what it was about and I refused because... I don't think <laughs> in my wildest imagination I would have thought yeah. that
0: that was what it was about because it is kind of a um, messed up story. It's
1: definitely not for everybody. It's not one that I would recommend to everybody.
0: No. Um, <laughs> but if you're I'm a, a weirdo and I like weird shit yeah. and I thought it was very well done. If you're a fan of The Obscure, it definitely was good. If you are easily weirded out by things that are um, unnatural... Gross. Yeah. It was gross. It had it had some moments, but it, I, it was, was gross. It but was it good. was
1: beautifully shot, and there were like very endearing parts as well. I mean, yeah. it wasn't. And when you, I don't even know if I necessarily describe it as like a horror movie. No. I mean, it was like horrific. There yeah. were horrific scenes, but it wasn't like what we think of as horror. No. In the modern day. Definitely not. It was disturbing. I would. Yes. Yeah. I'm that. really late to the game, so I'm sure a lot of my friends who are listening to this who are in like my. Film circle on Twitter probably shaking their heads that I'm just now watching it because I've been told to watch it since September of last year and I've just been really late. But I have been talking to you about it for a
0: long time. I've Been saying That's how true. much I've wanted to watch it. Yeah, and I'm just gonna warn you ahead of time that Olive has the zoomies really bad. So if you hear her pitter pattering around, she's acting. I don't even right think now.
1: we need to do warnings anymore. No, nope. just
0: expected at this point. Yeah, we have cats and they like to interrupt our podcasting. Yeah, always. So. Except right. for my angel baby cat who never does any of that. <laughs> angel baby who hates all the other cats and stays in her she room all day.
1: 18 hours a day.
0: Goodness. All right, all right. So. let's get into it. Um, yeah. It is a BYOB episode. Um, we, are, we have sweet tea. I was going to say, we're drinking tea today because you don't have to drink every day. And some days you just don't feel like it. So bring whatever beverage you have. If you like water or wine or whatever, I am having a sweet tea. Me too. Yeah, taste delicious. Good. All right. So
1: today I'm going to be discussing an older case, um, and by older I don't mean like pre 20th century older in terms of like it's not very recent, but not new either. Right. You know, not old. Oh my god. <laughs> Words are. I don't know how to on. explain it. It's not like super old, as in like Jack the Ripper, but it's not like Gabby Petito. Yeah, didn't happen two days ago. Right. Um, But it has recently gained some more popularity because a new NBC docudrama called The Thing About Pam, um, starring Renee Zellweger, which is her first, I believe, first breakthrough television role ever. I don't think she's been in TV, TV so I think it's like her first TV role. Um, And it premiered a few weeks ago. I have not seen it yet. I think it's only like six or seven episodes. It's not very long, but I've heard... Things about it. I've
0: heard good things about the first couple, and then people complain that it kind of drags on a little. Yeah, long.
1: I'm always kind of wary about like true crime TV series that are done by like NBC or like ABC because they're always very sensational, mm-hmm. and it's just, I don't know, it's like that. Never really done with the best interest
0: at heart kind of just like let's make some money and get it out there definitely is there's a lot of dramatization that may not necessarily be all factual yeah kind of more rooted in fact than actual fact
1: yeah um and i i'm way more a fan of like documentaries that have like actual footage and like interviews from like real people instead of like the
0: celebrities playing real people type of thing i feel like it just feels more personal that way i cannot remember the last time i watched a tv show on network tv that wasn't I. Everything we watch is on right, Travel Channel or Netflix or Hulu. I, we don't really watch a lot of network TV. No, I couldn't like, tell you. Occasionally, we'll watch Jeopardy. I think <laughs> yeah. that's about it. If it's like four p.m. on yeah. a random Thursday, yeah, we'll watch it. Or if the weather's looking dicey, we'll check out some um, news, local news. And I do. You asked me if there was anything I wanted to talk about, but I do want to send my thoughts and prayers and good vibes to. My favorite city of New Orleans, because they got wrecked by a in the south in general, yeah, a tornado yesterday, and sadly, someone lost their life. Um, turned out, he was a younger man who was only 25, and I know his family is probably devastated and heartbroken. So, send good thoughts. I know there's lots of things you can donate online to help because it unfortunately hit an area that is no stranger to disaster. destruction and disaster. Yeah. They were very heavily impacted by Katrina. Um, That was where, it was the ninth Ward, which is where the biggest loss of life occurred during Katrina. So it's a lot of people who are already struggling to make ends meet. And they just seem to keep getting piled on one thing after another. So if there's something you can do, just do a quick little Google Google search about helping the tornado victims and see what you can do. Yep. All right.
1: So uh, the thing about Pam follows the story of Pam Hupp. And how she allegedly got away with the murder of her best friend until she could no longer run from the truth and everything eventually caught up to her. And I'm going to be telling you
0: all about it and prepare yourselves because it is quite the wild ride. I remember when it, the story first broke, but I do not recall all the details. I just remember thinking, oh my God, I cannot believe someone like this is actually yeah. living in our area because it is she is from right across the river from us this bitch always fucking stealing my
1: thunder <laughs> jesus let me talk <laughs> all right sorry i remember i recognized her face like the mugshot i feel like is kind of like a infamous mugshot like when i saw her i'm like i recognize her and i've definitely watched videos about her before but she's not talked about as much as Mm-mm. others but she is something else so we're gonna start at the very beginning Pamela Marie Hupp, um, her maiden name was Newman, was born on October 10th, 1958 in Delwood, Missouri, which is right in our own backyard. It's a suburb of St. Louis. And she is the third of four children. She was born to a pretty strict Catholic family. They had very strict Catholic values. And according to St. Louis Magazine, friends described her as a, quote, boy crazy cheerleader with a big personality and an even bigger laugh. Towards the end of her senior year of high school at Riverview Gardens High School, Pam actually got pregnant and by the time she graduated, she was married. Her friends claim that this unexpected turn of events in her life at such a young age made her resentful of those who went on to go to college. Which is kind of understandable. I mean, right. that happens with a lot of people. But it's a big change. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of growing up really fast. Then, yeah, you're so young at that point and you're probably envious of watching everyone live their lives. Um, Six years later, she got divorced, and not too long after, she married her second husband, Mark Hupp, a former minor league baseball player who now held a job as a carpenter in the area. The two of them very briefly lived in Florida together before ultimately moving back to Missouri in 2001, and they settled into O'Fallon, which is, we're familiar with O'Fallon, that's a familiar name here. I'm not
0: allowed to talk about it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Pam, you can talk, just don't <laughs> say things that I'm, I'm going to talk about. I didn't know. Pam took on a clerical job at the town's state farm office while she and her husband flipped houses together on the side for some extra income. Mike Boshart, her former manager at State Farm, told St. Louis Magazine in 2017 that she was a positive person, very level-headed. I never saw her mad. She was a bigger picture. Uh, she saw a bigger picture and she was a very very adept at office politics. So she's just a good worker. Yeah. That being said, he is also quoted saying that there were some weird things that happened during her time with State Farm. She always told me she was involved somewhere like the FBI. Something with security clearance. Kind of in the past, but maybe still, he said. It was like she was just letting it dribble out and then it was, I can't say anything. Because lots of people that work for the FBI... Double as a <laughs> secretary at State Farm? <laughs> right. Like, like unless there's, like, some sketchy shit going on at that State Farm office that they need an FBI investigation. I think she'd be more CIA with the I COVID think she was adopter. just trying to make herself sound more important than she actually Maybe. was. Um, uh, very weird thing to say. You know those people that, like, say things that seem really important, and then when you're like, oh, tell me more, they're like, I can't tell you.
0: Yeah. I hate that. Yeah. That's or exactly what that was. blanket, um... Send me prayers, things that people post on social media, knowing that someone's gonna be like, oh no, what's going on? And they're like, I can't tell you specifics. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah.
1: Stop piquing my curiosity. Right. Bosher detailed an incident in which a customer called, saying they had received a signed letter from him with information that only he, Pam, and one other employee would have known or had access to. He claims he absolutely never sent such a note, even though it was written on his official stationery. And it was signed by him. <sighs> Although it was never proven to actually be sent by Pam, she had been fired twice previously for forging signatures. And this was, of course, not disclosed by her in her application to state form. And this may seem like a random detail, but this is going to come into play later in the story. And that's
0: a fireable offense, too, if you but lie I'm about it. I'm pretty sure
1: that's... You can be arrested for that. Well, for
0: yeah, forgery is, I believe, a felony. Yeah. Like, especially in the workplace.
1: In 2001, Pam met Betsy. Is I believe it's Faria. I looked up how to pronounce like Faria. it. Faria. I think it's one of the two. I'm going to say Faria. That sounds better. Betsy Faria, a kind and mild mannered 32 year old. They both worked at the same state farm location and hit it off. Betsy, although 11 years younger than Pam, was widely known for her sweet and bubbly demeanor. It's claimed that she also had a slight reputation for being a tad bit scatterbrained and always low on cash. I feel like a sister. Right. Although they were friendly during their time together at State Farm, the duo lost touch for years until they eventually rekindled their friendship in 2010 when Betsy was diagnosed with breast cancer. And this go-around, their relationship was significantly stronger. Pam swooped in to help Betsy. She often drove her to her chemotherapy treatments and heavily involved herself in her life. Especially when it came to being the person Betsy could voice her growing concerns regarding a financial inheritance she would leave behind for her family in the event that she died. So she was her confidant for, like, everything. According to St. Louis Magazine, Betsy's father, Ken Meyer, remembered that the summer she was diagnosed, she had been worrying about her two teenage daughters spending the money foolishly, and she was afraid that her husband, too, would, quote, piss it away. On December twenty-second, two 2011, Betsy named Pam the sole beneficiary of her $150,000 life insurance policy. Five days later, she was dead. That's sketch. Put it lightly. december 27th 2011 just two days after christmas was said to be a typical day for betsy she spent some time with her mother and her mother's friend bobby juan before her next round of chemo treatments at this point in time her cancer had unfortunately metastasized to her lever and she was now declared terminally ill on this particular day juan took her to her treatments instead of pam which was said to be different from their usual routine that being said, although Pam didn't drive her, she still showed up at Siteman Cancer Center and insisted on driving her back home to Troy, Missouri, when she was finished, which Betsy. seems very odd. Seems very intrusive. Yeah, like, just, I feel like if I was Betsy, I'd be like, okay. I got it under control. Yeah, I didn't like, need someone trying. else is doing it today, like, you don't yeah. need to show up and, like, swoop in here. Um, so, Betsy shot a text to her husband, Russ, who was supposed to be the one to pick her up, about the change of plans. The last time he ever heard from her. Russ was out and about with some friends at this time and was not home. Pam, the last person to see Betsy alive, dropped her off at her home at 7 p.m. And the two called Pam's husband to check in. Betsy left Markup a voicemail wishing him a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And Russ arrived home nearly two hours later to find Betsy dead on the floor, covered in blood in their living room. He immediately called 911. On the 911 call, Russ was clearly shaken up and had initially thought that Betsy had taken her own life, so he reflected that to dispatchers. That being said, when paramedics arrived, it was very obviously not a suicide. Betsy had 55 stab wounds, and Russ's assumption that these wounds were self-inflicted made the police suspicious of him. Which
0: you can't stab yourself 55 times.
1: Understood. That's insane. But also, I'm going to, in, in the heat of the moment walking in and just like seeing her on the floor covered yeah. in blood i'm gonna highly doubt he walked up to her and surveyed her entire body and saw that much right it probably was just like oh my god and maybe in like the heat of the 911 call he was like i don't know i think she killed herself she just found out she's terminally ill and maybe she had been saying things. right to maybe him she about, had been I'm saying tired stuff of hurting, like that. i'm over it right so i mean yes it sounds seems weird from the outside but yeah, I don't know how you're going to react in a time I mean, like that. I mean,
0: your adrenaline and everything's probably right. on overdrive, and you're not pro- able to see things as clearly as you would if you were a non-emotional person responding.
1: And also, I'm just going to I'm going to assume there was just a shit ton of blood, so you probably he probably couldn't see individual wounds. Yeah, just probably saw stuff right. Um, local law enforcement initially believed that Betsy's murder was an open and shut case. It had to be Russ. The husband did it. They claimed that his behavior during his 911 call sounded, quote, performatively distraught.
0: It's Like he was faking?
1: Yeah. And that his demeanor in the hours following him finding his wife's dead body was suspicious. The first cop who showed up at the Faria household said that Russ seemed visibly upset, but, quote, had limited tears coming from his eyes. Which, okay. Um, This is something that is done a lot in like the true crime community where they listen, people listen to like 911 calls or observe how people or like parents act in press conferences or like news things. And they say that they don't seem like, quote, grieving parents or like grieving spouses. And that's something that's always bothered me because I understand. I mean, like Chris Watts was clearly lying. Right. But you can't. There's no textbook on how to properly grieve
0: well, s- such a horrific thing. And I am a very private gr- griever. I cry privately. I can be super duper upset. But I'm, unless I'm around people that I feel completely emotionally connected to, I usually don't cry. Right. I mean, I just... It's, and some people just don't cry, yeah, I period. mean, I cry a lot when I'm sad by myself.
1: Yeah, some people are criers and some people aren't. That's yeah. just how it is. And you never know how you're going to react in that situation until you're there. You don't know if you're going to be, like, sobbing. And, I mean, some of the guiltiest people are people who put on the show and mm-hmm. look the most distraught yeah. and the saddest. Um. So, like I said, yeah, I hate how often 911 calls during situations like this one are judged. And I don't think there's a proper way to grieve outwardly after said shock wears off of walking in to find your lifelong wife and mother of your children brutalized on your right. living room floor. Um I understand why certain 911 calls are used to help further a guilty verdict in some situations but that cannot be a universal rule and does not immediately make someone a murderer. Can it make you suspicious of someone and want to look into them further and make them a person of interest sure. It does not make them guilty immediately. No. So authorities also found a bloodstained slipper that belonged to Russ at the scene, as well as a, get this, Mm -hmm. a handwritten note, said to be written by Betsy that detailed her fears and worries that her husband was going to hurt her. Who do we know who's well known for falsifying notes and letters? Oh, that'd be Miss Pam. Pam Hupp, who just so happened to also be the one who alerted authorities to this suspicious note And pushed the narrative hard that Russ was an abusive husband who
0: wanted Betsy's life insurance money when she died. But she wasn't, he wasn't even the beneficiary. No. And she knew that. And the lady was dying anyway. Yeah. What the hell? Right.
1: Like, you you can't wait. (sighs) So authorities used the evidence found at the scene, a failed faux polygraph test, and the testimony of Pam to find Russ guilty of first degree murder. He was, along with, Armed criminal action, and he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. This narrative that was being pushed to paint him as a violent and abusive spouse did the job, and Hupp was the prosecution's star witness in twenty nineteen in the twenty nineteen murder trial. Sorry, twenty thirteen murder trial. Despite pleas from Russ's attorney, Joel Schwartz,
0: that asked police to take a closer look at her as a potential suspect. Yeah, I would think that since she was the last one to see her alive, she should have definitely been investigated, interrogated, taken seriously. Yeah. I understand. I don't so care. we're going to
1: take a quick break um, before we get into the actual trial. This one's going to be a little shorter one, but
0: All right. we'll, we'll have
1: some discourse at the end. We'll
0: be right <laughs> Families have a lot going on.
1: Um, Schwartz, Joel Schwartz, Russ's attorney, argued that Russ had four separate people who could testify to his whereabouts on the night of Betsy's murder, as well as physical receipts and video surveillance footage that contributed to a strong alibi and confirmed his location around the time she was killed. Which, you would think...
0: They would,
1: would have investigated that beforehand. Would be a surefire... Well, this was during the trial before oh, okay. he was even All right. sentenced, but you...
0: Would you not You'd be think able- that would
1: be a like Evidence? okay yeah like this guy couldn't have done it. He wasn't even there. He has four separate people and like a paper trail and video right that pinpoints him somewhere. Unless they think that he just like came home and did it right before he called nine one one, but he wasn't. There's was no. Well, blood they should on have him. been able to tell.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say they should have been able to tell. And, and you'll probably talk about it. But did they have a murder weapon? No.
1: Okay. They did not. Um, Not only that, like I said, there was none of Betsy's blood on Russ's body, clothes, or under his fingernails. Given the fact that she was stabbed so many times, 55 times is a lot of times to stab somebody, and killed so brutally, this would be almost impossible. Not almost impossible, that is impossible. And if he were to strip himself, I mean... You're in his house. You're, you would have found those yeah, clothes. Yeah, you would find blood in his sink or in his washing machine where he tried to rinse himself. I mean, there have been so many times where, I believe it was uh, Betsy Arias who cleaned her clothes in Joey. the Jody. Sorry, Jody Arias who cleaned her clothes in the washing machine, and they found his blood in the washing machine. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna be very hard to wash away all right things yeah and you'd think that there would be like bloody footprints i mean you find a bloody slipper in the back of his closet you haven't got to that part yet well there was a the bloody slipper was what they're using i told about the bloody slipper yeah but you didn't say it was in his right closet. well that's where they found it i'll get to that later but you'd think if they find a bloody slipper with blood on the bottom of it there would have been there would footprints. be bloody footprints yeah
0: and not just one slipper yeah why would you just step in and be like oh no <laughs> take it off and carry it what that doesn't make sense uh.
1: No, it makes no sense. So, uh, Schwartz also claimed that the bloody slippers were placed in the back of his closet in an attempt to frame him. And it was one bloody slipper. The other one was not bloody. Which makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. On the other hand, Pam had absolutely no alibi whatsoever. She refused to take a polygraph test and had continuously changed key details of her story, including what car, if any, she saw in Betsy's driveway that fateful night. Because you'd assume that I mean, in order to kill her in that short time span between her dropping her off, making the phone call, and Russ coming there, someone had to be there, right? Um, and she would say, "Oh, I saw this car." No, it was this car. No, it was this kind. No, I didn't see any, dude. Like, I, this seems like hindsight's 2020, 20, but this seems so like cut and dry that it's almost like mind-boggling. Yeah. that they. At the very least, she sounds like a very uncredible witness that should never have been put on the stand. Yeah, I agree. But it's very common that police departments get that tunnel vision where they immediately make up, come to conclusions about one thing and they're going to go with that until they prove it to be true, even if it's not even true. When Schwartz asked for her testimony in 2013, she lightheartedly joked that her husband's life insurance policy was much larger than Betsy's. Quote, I mean, I guess if I had wanted a lot of money, I could kill him instead of her, she said. This struck Schwartz as a very weird thing to say, especially considering that at this point, no one had accused her of killing Betsy. <laughs> During the trial, Schwartz wasn't allowed to talk about Pam's possible motives because the prosecution had successfully argued that she had no direct connection to the case or Betsy's death. Plus, she can't really try somebody who's not on trial. It's like...
0: The no, judge but you'd would think probably that, overrule all of those.
1: You think that if you're like trying to find this person innocent, it's almost impossible to like find him innocent without bringing
0: her into the equation and being like, there's, well, who could have done it then? Yeah. But I think as far as like the legality of the courts go, you can't, really ask someone questions if they're not on trial. I understand the
1: legality of it. I think the absurdness comes in when the prosecution says that she has no direct connection to the case or Betsy's death when she was the last person to see her alive and dropped her off.
0: Well, that's when if you're a lawyer, you ask those questions, even if you know they're going to be overruled so that it plants that seed of doubt in Mm -hmm. the jury's mind. Yeah.
1: A few months later in November of 2013, Russ Faria was found guilty of first degree murder and sentenced to life without parole. Two years later, Russ was granted a new trial in which the defense was finally permitted to present new information and evidence that wasn't allowed in the first one, especially in regards to Pam's involvement in her being a possible suspect. That being said, for whatever reason, neither side called Pam to testify during the retrial. Apparently, in a very weird turn of events, Pam had told a detective that she and Betsy were secret lovers... and that Russ found out about their affair and murdered Betsy in a fit of rage. Despite these new and absurd claims from Pam, Russ was acquitted in November 2015, and the judge referred to Lincoln County's investigation of the case as, quote, rather disturbing, which agreed. Yes. Recently, in 2020, Lincoln County settled in a civil lawsuit with Russ Faria over his wrongful conviction for over $2 million,
0: which doesn't make it better, but he deserves it. I can't help but keep thinking about the fact that this lady was so deranged and wanted the money so badly that she took two years of the kid's dad away from them after their mom had just been murdered. Yeah. So, teenagers, right? Isn't that what you said? They were teenagers. They were like, yeah, late teens. Yeah, so a very formidable time in your life where you really need your parents, mm-hmm. and especially, you would definitely need your dad to be present. Not only that, that but imagine like thinking that... Your dad, your dad your did that. Yeah.
1: Like having that in your head, even though I'm sure they were probably like, "This doesn't seem right." Right. But there's always going to be that little shadow. Yeah. Or, yeah. It's just horrible. Despite these new and absurd claims from Pam, Russ was acquitted in November. Oh, I already said that part. So she was. He was acquitted. Thank God. Even though he spent two years in jail for no yeah. reason, and he got his wrongful conviction lawsuit for two million dollars. Um, The next year, Lincoln County Prosecutor Mike Wood claimed that his office was investigating possible police and prosecutor misconduct in the original investigation into Betsy's murder. He said, This is one of the poorest examples of investigative work that I, as well as my team, have ever encountered, driven largely by ego, driven toward an agenda rather than the truth. And I agree completely. Yes. How the last confirmed person to have been with Betsy before she was brutally murdered wasn't so much as investigated is beyond me. I understand that you don't have to take a polygraph test. You're well within your right to deny that. But why did he have to take one and that was like used against him? Mm -hmm. And then her denying or refusing to take one was not used to be suspicious for her. Like he literally was like,
0: okay, I'll take it. And polygraph tests are so unreliable anyway. Yeah,
1: they're literally admissible in court. Inadmissible? No, they're admissible. That means you can use them.
0: Inadmissible means you can't use it Inadmissible. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> inadmissible.
1: So, oddly enough, it wasn't even Betsy's murder that finally landed Pam in jail. In August 2016, she shot and killed Louis Gumpenberger, a physically and mentally disabled man in her home. She told police that Louis had tried to kidnap her at knife point to get Russ's money.
0: Oh my god.
1: This was believed to be another attempt to frame Betsy's husband, and it was also thought that she may have been looking to take attention away from her own involvement in the case. At that point, renewed interest in Pam's possible role in Betsy's murder had surfaced, and Betsy's daughters had brought a civil suit against Hupp earlier the same year, alleging that she had stolen their mom's $150,000 life insurance payout, despite her telling the cops she would be giving it to the girls. The jury ruled in favor of Pam keeping all of the money, which is... That's crazy. Absolutely fucking insane. Right. And I also... I wanted to include this because I'm not entirely sure how true it is. But I read somewhere else that two years after um, the murder, Pam set up a fund for the kids with $100,000 in it and kept the remaining 50000 because she claimed that it was for a friend of hers who also had cancer. And this friend... Had died before she could give them the money, so of course Pam kept it herself, but she never gave the girls that $100,000 It was in a trust for them either. So I'm not sure the accuracy of this, but given the civil suit against her that they won, I'm going to assume that it's not very accurate. So, Pam claimed that she shot and killed Lewis in an act of self-defense, but the police immediately immediately believed it was a staged murder-for-hire scheme intended to once again implicate Russ. Um, this man was severely physically disabled, mentally disabled. Um, right. The idea that he I mean, I'm not trying to sound weird here, but he's not going to go in and
0: think he can overpower anybody right. or try to kill her, and for what reason? Yeah, because I'm sure the money's lying around in the house. Right.:
1: Yeah, and that's who Russ is going to hire to go try to kill you. Yeah, the whole situation. And makes not no someone sense. who could
0: just do it quickly and leave. Like what do you? And even that still doesn't make any sense because, unless, he's somehow the benefactor, of her when she passes away to get the money. That's such a convoluted and right. stupid idea. Yeah, so stupid. And yeah. you think that he's out
1: of prison? Like you think he's gonna try to immediately go back? Immediately go back for something over her, dumbass? No. Yeah. Um. In August of 2019, Pam was sentenced to life in prison without parole for the murder of Louis Gumpenberger. The shooting led police to take a closer look also at the 2013 death of Pam's mother, Shirley Newman, who had fallen to her death from the balcony of her third floor apartment. Her death had originally been ruled an accident, but in 2017, the St. Louis County Medical Examiner's Office officially changed the manner of death to undetermined. Shirley had eight times the typical dose of Ambien in her oh system God. at the time of her death. And guess what? Pam was the beneficiary of her mom's life insurance. And she's
0: murking people left and right and taking their money. Yeah. Jeez. I
1: also, I didn't like read. I don't think they really talk about it. Where is her husband during all of
0: this? Were I they dirt know. fucking poor? I mean, probably not. No. Maybe. they you know, like flipping
1: know. house. I mean. Yeah. I think it just does. To
0: be able to, one, purchase a house to flip it in the first place you got to have money. Yeah. Well, I think what we're assuming is that her motive was all money and not just some sociopathic need to have things. I don't know. Sometimes people, when they become parents too soon and don't get all the things that they thought they were going to get out of life, kind of become a little mentally fragile um, and start looking for ways to try and fill that void. And so maybe she just thought that if she got the money, that would... Make up for all the things she didn't get to do. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, that is... I mean, there's definitely something that happens when you're not allowed to fully mature before you begin doing things. I mean, your brain, I think, is altered a little bit. I guess. But, I mean, you had kids <laughs> young and... Yeah, but I was definitely... Two years out of I wasn't, high school. I wasn't in high school, and it was a choice I made. You know, I didn't have to give up anything. I don't know. I know a lot of teen moms who aren't... I'm not saying their all. moms off third-story balconies <laughs> yeah. and... I'm not saying all of them. I'm just saying some.
1: So, just last year, in July of 2021, Pam was charged in Betsy's murder. Finally, this is night 18 years after. Yeah, a long time. 18 years mm-hmm. after. Um. Finally, thank God. I mean, that is such a long time to wait for justice for something like this. Prosecutors decided to revisit her case following her conviction in Lewis's murder. The prosecuting attorney, Mike Wood, said he was intending to seek the death penalty for Pam. He said, I do not take lightly the decision to pursue the death penalty, but this case stands alone in its heinousness and depravity such that it shocks the conscience, which he said in a press conference. Um, and of course, Pam still denies to this day that she has anything to do with Betsy's murder, but she remains in prison. Yeah, she's wackadoo. And Missouri definitely still has a death penalty. So, yeah. And they use
0: it. I mean, it's, they do use it. Yeah, They're it's... one
1: of the states that uses it like pretty frequently, actually. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, she sounds like a terrible human being, mm-hmm. and not so. You know, it's really sad to me though because if she was, and I'm not trying to be like a sympathizer, but I wonder what was wrong, what happened to her from the time she was a bubbly cheerleader and everybody liked her to becoming this person who mm-hmm. maybe murdered her mom, murdered her best friend, and then some poor random disabled person. I all also for wonder monetary gain or to try and. I mean, was she maybe paranoid because of the whole FBI thing and all the stuff she talked about? I mean, I don't know. I, wonder if I mean, some mental... she has
1: two kids. So she had the one kid in high school and then another one later in life. I wonder what they have to say about things. I'm sure they're out of, they don't want anything to do with her um, yeah. or any connection with her. But I wonder what they have to say about like just their upbringing. Yeah. And if she was like a normal mom or if there were weird things about her. Because when you look into this case, they leave out her husband and her children probably Mm -hmm. because they want to protect them. But I really am curious
0: about how they describe her. I just Googled if she was mentally ill and there nothing comes up. All it talks about is her shooting the mentally... Um, disabled man so I do not think she has been diagnosed with any kind of mental instability she's just a horrible person
1: yeah I'm looking at this um, article about her children so she has a daughter Sarah from her first marriage that she had when she was really young and her son Travis she had with Mark second marriage Um, yeah and they just say there's not a lot of public information about Travis or Sarah as of now I guess they briefly mentioned them in the Docu series.
0: Wonder is she still married to Mark? No, they are divorced. Good. Good for Mark. Well, I mean, I would think that would have been coming whether or not she went to jail, since she claimed to be having an affair with Betsy anyway.
1: Yeah. They also say that um, for the most part, Sarah and Travis have stayed away from the limelight, which is, I'm sure, is to avoid well, further yeah. trauma. Um, and they are both. They both appear to be totally inactive on social media,
0: also, which is just so sad yeah well they might be able to peruse it but i'm sure they don't want to be attacked and with well also just like the fact
1: that your mom's actions completely reroute the course of your
0: life and how you get to like interact with people and everything i don't think enough time is spent talking about the other victims of these kinds of crimes we talk about true crime all the time But the family members of the person who committed the crime are also victims. And they also have, like you just said, their life has changed most of the time irrevocably. I don't know why I even try to say it. I know I can't say it. (laughs) But their lives are changed forever. And, you know, I feel like there needs to be some kind of like a... Maybe there is some kind of victims advocacy group for people who are relatives of kind of like an Al-Anon or... Yeah, you almost want to like
1: see the children of Pam and like the children of Betsy, like get together because I mean, those are. They both lost their mom. Lost her, I mean, their families. Like families are torn apart at that
0: point. I might have to look and see if there is some kind of a support group for families of people. I'm sure there is. Yeah. I mean, if not, it needs to be done.
1: Yeah. Because yeah, that's everlasting damage for something that you did not do. I also have been like thinking like, I wonder if they would have stayed in Florida
0: if that would have happened. If that would have
1: been better for her. Did it say like why just, they came back? They only lived there for like two years and that's when they had Travis. So I almost wonder if they moved back because they needed like familial support. Maybe. Because they just had their second baby at like such a young age.
0: Hey, babysat my kid for me. In 20 years I'm going to push you off the balcony. Yeah. I know. Her poor mom. Yeah, it's really sad. She was
1: never convicted of that. Um, but I mean, you know, do the math. Yeah. We're Who not- takes... Eight times. I mean, how are you even... Maybe I i don't really know how Ambien works. Um, I mean, I know how it works, but eight times the average dose of Ambien almost makes me think that you would not...
0: Be able to get out of bed. Be able
1: to arouse. Like, I don't think you'd be... No, I wouldn't be I would up. imagine you're not going to be out walking around anywhere. It almost sounds like... I wonder what the lethal dose is, but that sounds like close to it. That That's a lot of Ambien... And Ambien is very potent. It is very potent. Like people do some crazy crap on Ambien. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, I guess it's probably why they thought it's possible that she fell off her balcony. Maybe.
0: I mean, I wonder if she had a history of. I also wonder if
1: Pam was there. Like, how? Why would they make that connection? Was Pam there when her mom fell Uh, off
0: the balcony? I don't know all these things because
1: they just like talk so briefly about it that in everything, like it's so weird that's just like something that they
0: pass over like I'm trying to might have done it but we don't know (laughs) maybe (laughs) yeah well that's quite the um depressing story I feel bad for everybody involved except for Pam I don't feel bad for you
1: I yeah I want to kind of retroactively mention this here so in regards to Lewis, um the man she killed So he was mentally and physically disabled, uh, because he was in a severe car accident that he had like traumatic brain injury. He had really bad back problems. Like there's a lot going on. Um, so he said that he was armed with a knife. She said he was armed with a knife, jumped out of a car that was driven by another person into her driveway, accosted her while she was sitting in her SUV in her garage And demanded that she drive to a bank to retrieve Russ's money. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Um, She claimed that she knocked the knife out of his hand and then fled into her house and shot her. um, Shot him. Shot him with the gun that she kept in his night in her nightstand. And uh, the prosecuting attorney theorized that she lured him into her home under a different name.
0: Was the other person that dropped dropped him off? That's what she claimed. Was there somebody I don't know if there to pick him up? Was he just going to like, oh, he wanted her to drive in her SUV is what she's saying. So that would explain, that would be the way she could explain right. away the other like person he, leaving. Like the runaway, getaway
1: driver dropping you off. Get, let me, yeah. Yeah. Take me to the bank and get me money out or I'm going to stab you. Um. So cell phone records showed that she had been in his neighborhood less than an hour, his neighborhood, less than an hour before the shooting, which contradicted the claim that she had never met him before. And, um, did they recover a
0: knife? Huh? Did they recover a knife at the scene? Did She like throw a knife at him. <laughs> she <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying
1: to get into this here. So, um, a police report was filed with St. Charles County police stating that a woman matching her description had approached a, an, o- an O'Fallon resident, Carol Alford, Um, Posing as a Dateline NBC producer and offered her $1,000 to reenact a 911 call. What the heck? Um, Security camera footage showed that the woman in question had been driving Pam's car. And a second witness informed police that she had uh, approached him with a similar proposition. So, I don't know if she's...
0: What were you trying to do there? Maybe try to get people off her scent and say that it happened somewhere else? Or... I don't know. I don't know. Like, what would the 911 call... Be four. Did it, does it not say? <laughs> no. I have no
1: clue. So the investigators also found nine hundred dollar bills in his pocket, um, and a tenth was found on her dresser that had a
0: sequential serial
1: number to four of the nine bills.
0: So, in other words, hey, I'll give you nine hundred dollars, you can have another hundred when you come to my house.
1: Or I'm gonna kill you and then put money in your pocket to make it look oh. like you took money from me, and I'm gonna accidentally leave this one dollar bill or this one hundred dollar bill out yeah not very intelligent criminal action here so here you go here's your knife um investigators suggested that the knife had been purchased at the dollar tree in O'Fallon alongside several other items found in Hubb's house and the paper on which the note found on his body note oh my god i'm so sorry guys i feel like i did such a bad job here with poor lewis oh here so yes another forged document So $900 was found on his body, along with the note bearing instructions to kidnap Hup, get Russ's money from Hup at her bank, and kill Hup. And to take Hup back to house and get rid of her, make it look like Russ's wife, make sure knife sticking out of neck, and return for a reward of $10,000. Okay. So the note that they found... Let's see. The paper on which the note was written was... Bought at the Dollar Tree when she purchased the knife. She
0: is messy. She is messy. You're not even
1: going to try hard to, like, make it not look like that? And she's cheap. Yeah. Buying your own potential murder weapon at the Dollar Tree? hmm The knife found in her car was found wedged between the passenger seat and the center console, and knives in her kitchen were similarly stored wedged
0: between the stove and the counter. Stored her knives between the stove and the counter. <laughs> That's your first red flag. <laughs> what the hell kind of shit is that? Huh. I don't even. Under, my brain doesn't even compute what what you're saying. That's makes no sense. Oh, well. If you're interested, you can watch the Renee Zellweger um, dramatization of this now. I'm kind of interested. in I was gonna watching say I kind of want to watch it now, just because I, like I said, I remember the story being crazy, but I did not know all the details. Mm-hmm. And I don't like it. I don't. That's crazy. That yeah, Lewis. Yeah, that poor man nothing. had nothing to do with it, and she pled guilty to his murder. So she was like, "Yeah, I did it." How any he plead? Well, I guess because she shot him, said it was self-defense. But did she, yeah, she said she did it for. She's pled gu- Pled guilty. Yeah, I killed him. Yeah, that's... but it's like
1: he literally did nothing. He had no connection to you whatsoever.
0: No one. Well, and just weird. in your
1: own selfish way of trying to save your ass you took another person out. Took a person's life for no reason.
0: Sheesh. All right.
1: Missouri's fucked up. A little bit. Missouri's, Missouri and
0: Illinois. That's the reason why it's nicknamed Missouri. The more
1: I like look into like true crime and stuff, I feel like every story somehow makes its way back to this area. There are a lot of things in this area that happen. There's also a lot of people in Missouri too. Well, it's also um, just like the center of everything, so people are bound to pass through here but It's a very well-traveled
0: area, The highway.
1: Yeah, and our airport.
0: All right, well, anything else you want to discuss? Not really. No? We'll actually be back probably sooner than a week, um, just because this one was a little later than normal, and I'm contemplating. I've got two ideas, I think, for next time. I'd really like to do my rebuttal to your Amityville Horror Murders and do the actual spooky side of it do it. So, I think that might be the next one or maybe the one after that. That'll be a controversial um, episode because it will be, but it's going to be just, titled Emma gets mad. Just because you <laughs> agree with it doesn't mean I can't. I definitely think that there was some crazy stuff that happened. So, we shall see. I don't know. But thank you for listening to The Monsters and Mixers podcast. Please follow us on our socials on Facebook at Monsters and Mixers Pod on Twitter at Monsters Mixers, and on Instagram at Monsters and Mixers Podcast. Like and
1: follow us on your preferred listening platform, leave a five-star rating, and send us those stories via email at
0: MonstersandMixers2 at gmail.com or at one of the socials mentioned. See you next time when we dive into another terrifying tale and concoct a new delicious drink to wash down the horror. Now get out there and meet some ghosts. And make some toasts.